0: This morning's show, we finished up on turtle dove. We may come back to that, the, the turtle dove that they mentioned numerous times in the Old Testament. And actually, I believe there's some turtle doves, or at least reference to them, depending on what translation you have in the New Testament. But of course, they actually think they're talking about real doves, because by that time, the Pharisees had things so confused about the nature of Moses' song, the message of Moses, that they were actually slaughtering turtle doves again and, uh, them up and wringing their heads off and dripping their blood uh, on the side and instead of being like the dove that uh, eventually I was going to get to this morning that, you know, makes its home in, uh, another place and we've talked about that before a couple programs back uh, on turtle doves we did go through that that there's actually a reference that, that we should be like a dove and of course there's two completely different words that are translated into some sort of dove or turtle dove and they don't mean the same thing also there's another word a couple different words that are translated into young pigeon or little pigeon or what have you, and they don't always mean little pigeon. They actually are referencing the same thing that we see with Jehovah and Nisi. They're referencing the other system of social welfare. You could find in Babylon and Cain's city-state, in Sumer and Ishtar and other Mesopotamian city-states. And you eventually could find in Athens, and you could eventually find in Rome. And certainly you had it in Egypt. And it was the system of social welfare, which is a snare. Their table is a snare. Uh It, it binds you. It brings you into the bondage of Egypt. And, of course, as we said in this morning's program, everybody is in the bondage of Egypt again. Everybody's in Babylon everybody's going to Nimrod who is the mighty provider instead of God. Because they aren't really following God. They're pretending to be Christians. They're pretending to be Jews that follow Moses. But they don't know Moses. They don't know the song of Moses. They don't know the song of the Lamb. And so I'm doing these programs, making these recordings, working hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, and hours, and hours, and hours on books and pages on the Internet, That we all make available for free. uh, So that you can actually see what Christ was saying. What Moses was saying. And it's really very simple. And you either follow the way that Moses laid out or Christ laid out. Which are the same way. Same exact way. Or you don't. And if you don't, then you're on your own unless you don't want to be on your own then you can go to the men who exercise authority one over the other and take away from your neighbors so that you can have lots of free stuff this morning during the program we had a, uh, somebody was calling the house here they were making arrangements for somebody who is dying of several different sudden appearances of cancer in their body after months and months of neuropathy that they have been plagued with since they got their vaccination and all their boosters. And now all of a sudden they've got cancers just coming out of nowhere and they've got maybe only a few weeks or months to live. And the hospital was dumping them out because the hospital didn't think they could care for them. Now the person's a walker, can't move around, has blackouts, fallen several times, broke bones, uh, skin is thinning out. But Medicare, Medicaid, all that stuff is just dumping them out in a small town where, okay, now you're supposed to get hospice or somebody to come and take care of them, but not so easy all the time. And uh, not so, you know, their hospice isn't talking about staying there day and night, and the person needs to be taken care of day and night. So we're doing it. She's not a member of our church. She's not a member of our network but it's good practice for us we care about them it's been somebody that we have dealt with I've I've done work for them I've helped them out many times they're not real Christians they think they're Christians they're nice enough people uh, when I say they I mean the, 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 her husband's already died but her kids are absolutely useless and if they were here I would tell them that <laughs> But they're not here to take care of their mom. They're mostly interested in what they can get out of their mom because she's about to die and they want to get her whatever stuff that she has that is left. And of course they'll deny that. They'll say, oh, we really care, but you know, I'm watching this closely. We, we had people that were staying with her last night. We'll have people staying with her tonight. Actually, she's coming home from the hospital today. today. And uh, we've seen this before. Uh, we took care of a elderly gentleman who was a local rancher that he finally ran out of money. It was costing thousands and thousands of dollars a week to keep him in recovery places and he was going downhill getting worse and worse and worse. Had maybe days, they thought maybe weeks to live. And, uh, and he whispered to me, I want to go home when I was visiting he whispered to me that he wanted to go home well I, I had no knowledge of the fact that he was out of money and they were going to about dump him out or anything but I started making arrangements to have him go home with the resor- meager resources we have in our network nowhere near the money now oh, we we did get talk people into uh, allowing us to bring him home saying that we would help we brought somebody in to be there every day uh, the the guy was totally bedridden, but we could, we got a hoist where we can get him up out of bed and get him in a wheelchair and everything. And we started healing up all of his problems. The infections on his foot and the sores on his legs and the sore in his back where the surgery went wrong. And, and uh, the infection was moving up and taking over his whole body and we reversed all that. And he didn't die in a couple of days. He didn't die in a couple of weeks. He didn't die for months and months and months and months. I was just telling somebody the other day that I would come down there, I'd be taking different shifts with other people that were that were in our network. They were doing a far better job than the government, the government come out that, and actually I think he eventually died because of what the government was doing. I mean I say government, it was people who work for the government who think they know everything, and uh, they came out and they were doing stuff that was really bad. And even some of the family was listening to what they were telling him and we were saying that's not what he needs. And we, we know that that was not what he needed. Uh, and I could go into the details but I don't want to do that at this time. And it's not really important. But there's a lot of things that we've learned over the years and we don't know everything. We had to do some experimenting. But you know, I, I, I would sit there and, or stand there, uh, and look down at this this what was ended up I'm pretty sure it was a fungus that was growing between the layers of his skin. his skin was getting pretty thin. I mean he was an old old guy, and I would stare at that and I would think like, "What should we do with that? What is that?" And I would stare at it like I was in mice were already starting to go for myself at the time. <laughs> I'm an old guy too. And, but I would stare at it, I'd look real close and I would think like, what is that? And all of a sudden, I knew what it was. And, you know, I could be wrong, but I think I knew what it was. And I, I knew what we needed to do. Totally non-invasive. You know, no harsh chemicals or injections or any of that stuff. Just tender loving care with little basic you know, things that you would have in your kitchen. And it cleared it up. All that fungus under his skin, in his feet, coming up his ankles, getting worse and worse when he was in the hospital. And it stopped. The infection in his back stopped. The sores on his legs all healed up. And he would sit there watching TV with his wife. And they'd both be sound asleep when I came in holding hands, she and her chair, which we sat right next to, we put his wheelchair right next to her, and they would sit next to each other in their home. And I had been several of the places, visiting them in several of the places. I mean, they were keeping them 100 miles away. And I was thinking, this place is a tomb. No wonder he wants to go home. Now, the last place he was in was... Fairly luxurious, but he was going downhill all the time while he was there. And I know some of the people that work there. We wanted to get permission to go in there and work with the patients and help the patients and stuff like that. But I have to be a member of Babylon in order to do that. I have to have a number that identifies me as a member of Babylon or they won't let me come in and help. I'm not welcome there. I'm not welcome in the hospitals. Right now, the hospital is a local hospital, which I say local, 100 miles away again, is they're about to go on strike because they they can't get enough help. They can't get enough nurses. And one of the reasons they can't get enough nurses is they require all the nurses to be vaccinated. A lot of nurses think that's not a good idea. They don't trust the vaccine. It's not what they said it was. It doesn't do what they said it would do. And they're admitting that now. But they're still keeping the requirement. The hospital is still keeping the requirement. Even though it's not going to prevent COVID, there's tens and thousands of people that are dead after using it. Hundreds of thousands serious, serious side effects. And almost nobody really researching to see how serious these side effects are. But you still have to get the vaccination to be hired in that hospital. So I have registered nurses running the cash register in the feed store in a little tiny small town near here. Got registered nurses and people with end of life care volunteering. We just had a retreat here, at uh, you know, it was teaching you know ancient skills. You know everything from fire making to rope making to making your own shoes to blacksmithing it was a, it was a pretty good success for our first time we didn't we didn't advertise it much because we didn't want hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, but almost everybody there who have been to a lot of these events before said they they saw it as one of the best events they've ever attended the one of the most well organized one of the, the best facilities for you know, that we provided tents for every single one of the instructors. And all the instructors were volunteer instructors. They came free of charge. And now, you had to pay something for some of the courses, but it really just basically covered the materials. You know, like the blacksmithing, there was going to be coal, and we had several forges, and uh, we had extra anvils there. I actually have more anvils uh that I could bring down there. I, I own one big full-size anvil from, I think, Sweden. And, uh, the, it was kind of a joke around camp that the, uh, the blacksmith guy who was teaching blacksmithing kept referring to my anvil as sexy. <laughs> he wanted to get it <laughs> from me. It's still sitting down there in the field on our stand. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I guess it's a sexy anvil. <laughs> and it, it's very old I mean it's 100 year old or so or more uh, of course I'm getting up there pretty close and it was old when I got it but uh, it was a very successful event but we had people there that were scrubbing floors that are end of care nurses uh, we we had uh, of course he's not totally retired the health person that we had there who was volunteering just came there and sat in the medic tent all the time that he was there, uh, he's an expert in ER. We have other people in the network that have left that system but were expert in ER for years and years and years. We have uh, doctors now uh, down in Texas who want to form a congregation and and uh, they have uh, clinics and elderly care facilities. Now, we have some ideas about it. My wife and I met working in a convalescent home. And we would like to do more and more of that. And we could probably build a building. We now have the property secured. We just fenced off a large area, uh, so that we can, we can put in the facilities. But, uh, what's coming up is you're not going to be able to go to the hospital without whatever new vaccination they have. You're not going to be able to... We've already had people who had traumatic injuries but did not have one of those numbers to prove that you're a member of Babylon that I mentioned earlier in the show. I won't mention what number that is, but if you have an imagination, you have to show that you're a member with this number. It's kind of a long number, but everybody's got one to show that they're a member of their public religion system that takes care of the needy of society or you can't even go into a hospital. A hospital won't take you in. And they clearly had a concussion from a skiing accident. They were a young person. They didn't have such a number. And they turned them away. They weren't gonna they weren't gonna look at him, they weren't gonna check him, they weren't gonna shine a light in his eyes to see if he had a concussion or they weren't going to do an X ray or they had money to pay. But they had to have that number or they wouldn't treat them. Now, that fellow eventually got a number. And I can give you story after story of people who have done that, who had to go out and get the number finally. Because they couldn't survive without it. They couldn't open bank accounts. They couldn't enter the marketplace. Because they didn't have that number. Because they didn't have the mark of the beast. And I say beast because that number says that you can take a bite out of your neighbor to the men who exercise authority, to the fathers of the earth that Christ said we were not to go to for our daily bread. But everybody does because they don't understand the kingdom. So anyway, I send out a, a notice to the whole network uh, just shortly before the program started. I could have sent out... Now, this is every week that we do this show. And every week you can call in the number that I send out on the network. And you can call in and ask a question, especially in the second half. A lot of times in the first half I don't take callers. I will take callers if you have a question and I don't recognize your number. or You know, I think that it needs to be done in the first half of the show. But I'm going to try to control the sound better because I've had trouble when the people call in, getting the sound levels right for that person, I have to jack it up later. So I'm going to try to, and we're taking these calls to experiment more. But the idea is, uh, to have these calls, is if you need to call me, you can call in on the show. Now if you want a private conference call, you call your minister, and I talk to your ministers every week. Because we're on a call. Now they don't all show up every week because sometimes they're busy and there's different times. I know one of our newer ministers in Idaho, he he works when we have the minister call. But he has a member of his family who can come on the call and he can report back and, and give us updates uh, if we need to hear anything. And then I said, you know, if he, he finds a time while he's working at his regular job, if he gets 10 minute break or something during the call, he can call in just for a few minutes, just to touch base with everybody. But that's the way to do it, is that you're in a congregation, you call your minister, and your minister calls his minister, and then we can, we can brainstorm your problem and try to get to the solution. And if you don't want all of them knowing, well at least you let your minister know, and your minister lets me know if you want to specifically ask me a question. Because I've had numerous, numerous, numerous calls this week and other weeks. I had a call during the show. Somebody in Ohio wanted to start, you know if there's a congregation in Ohio. And he went on the website and he says, well, it looks like the, the, the groups are regional. Well, that's because we don't have ten congregations in Ohio. As a matter of fact, I don't know that we have any congregations in Ohio. And I don't want to know where all the congregations are. Uh, that would be that would be anti the song of Moses and anti the song of Christ. That would be an isolationist mob mentality. You know, when I originally, before I started the network, the email network, I looked at home churches because the home churches, you know, they were that's that's a little bit like what Christ did. All the the original church gatherings, ecclesia gatherings, were small. Intimate congregations, the tens, hundreds, and thousands. I mean, they're mentioned in Mark and in the Bible that they were organizing it. And in history, that was clearly the way they were organized. There were Christians still organizing that way all over Europe and America at the time of the American Revolution. And they were forming this network of tens, hundreds, and thousands. That's been deleted from a lot of your history books because so they don't want you to know about that because that's key to liberty under God which is going to be part of the conversation today. But people people aren't doing that. That's why, uh, and the and the people with the home churches, you know, the what they call the little ecclesia groups or home church groups or whatever, well, they get like eight, Nine, ten families together and they meet in a house and they sit on the couch and they they talk about Jesus. They don't actually do what the first century church was doing. They don't actually do what the apostles were doing. But they talk about Jesus. They talk about how much they love Him and how they have a relationship with Him. They just don't do what He says to do. As a matter of fact, they do the opposite. Because they do go to men who exercise authority one over the other to get benefits at the expense of their neighbor. And I tell people this. I point it out. And they just don't want to see it. That That is attacking their delusion, the delusion that they're Christians. But, of course, they also don't realize that they're in the bondage of Egypt. And, of course, they are in the bondage of Egypt. You know what I mean? Like, at, at this station... This is what I put up almost every week is the keys to the kingdoms are the keys to liberty under God. It's actually the keys to the only liberty you can hope to enjoy in a world gone mad. And on the show we offer a unique perspective to the ancient texts, hidden histories, and natural law. The Bible is the book for a voluntary government of, for, and by the people. That's what it said in Wycliffe's translation. This is the book for the government, for the people, of the people, and by the people. I'm not sure exactly what order, but it's the same basic quote that you hear from Lincoln because he got it out of Wycliffe's Bible introduction. Because they understood that the Bible is about government. That's why it mentions government 700 times, and religion five times. And of the five times it mentions religion, only one time does it talk about religion as something good. And they have to identify it with a modifier, pure religion. And pure religion is taking care of the needy of society, not just visiting people. I just visited that old guy, and I visited him another time, and then finally he whispered in my ear, he called me over, and he whispered in my ear, I want to get out of here. He whispered it, though. And so, because he requested it, as you wish, so shall it be done. Because he prayed to a minister of God. So it happened. He got out of there. Lived longer than they thought possible. Lived better than he certainly was living while he was in there. Way better. And then he passed away because somebody in his family listened to the people from the government. See, the people from the government saw what we were doing saw what we were doing was better than what they could do. Because they did send around a home health nurse now and then. And they did send in somebody who's getting like 20 bucks an hour, 22 bucks an hour, to come in and change his colostomy bag. And, it, and that was all part of the service. It was cheaper than the $6,000 a week that he was paying in the rehab place. And they got, you know, one of the persons that came was fairly competent, drove a long ways, paid... All the time they drove there, they had to drive over an hour to get there. The other person came from the north, and they drove about an hour. So one came in the morning, one came in the evening. And, you know, they were to change the colostomy bag. And one, The morning person was pretty good. The afternoon person was horrible. Just did not do a good job. I mean, I would not leave my pets with them, much less my neighbor. But we came there, and we came there every day, and we took care of them. And they saw that we were doing so much better job than their own people. They offered to pay us. They insisted that. All you have to do is sign this paper, and we'll pay you for your time to do this. But I don't know where their money's coming from. Actually, I do. Their money is coming to pay me, would come from men who exercise authority one over the other. I would be a part of their system. I also know that if I sign this somewhere in there, they'd want me to put down my number to show that I had the number of their government, which is the mark of the beast. I mean, every country has them. Australia has them. New Zealand has them. They all have them. Because you're you're already in the new world order. You you already have the mark of the beast. They just, you know, I mean, they did take away bank accounts from some people. They're going to take away a lot more. Their their whole system is the unrighteous mammon. It's going to collapse and fall. And, and you're in it. That's fine. But you're going to go down with it, unless you repent, start thinking differently. And that's what we're trying to show you, is what that thinking looks like, what it sounds like, what it what it consists of. And, of course, it's, it consists of the Song of Moses and the Song of the Lamb. Where, like the early church, you create a social safety net. A daily ministration, they call it, in the King James. A table of the Lord. That takes care of the pure religion, the needy of society, the widows, the orphans, anybody who falls off a ladder or anybody who gets persecuted. It's going to take care of your family and and those survivors and those that are injured. And, And when there's famines and shortages, you have people like Paul bringing you supplies. But they're only doing it because they have received free will offerings through charity of the people. This is what the Christians were doing. And as Rome collapsed, the Christians thrived. Because they were actually doing what Christ said. Now, the Christians today, they're not doing what Christ said. They don't even understand what Christ said. And and the home churches are just as bad as the, the institutional churches, for the most part. I mean, there are good people in the institutional churches. There's good people in the home churches. But, you know, if you ask me, are there many? I would probably answer you the same way. Christ did. When they asked, Are many saved or few? He didn't tell them. <laughs> he said, Strive to enter at the straight gate. That's what he told them. So, are you going to strive to enter at the straight gate? Or are you going to pretend that you're actually doing what Christ said? Because most people are pretending. But anyway, back to the home churches. I noticed that there were home church groups on the internet and they had set up like a list if you formed a home church group in Kansas or Missouri or or Oklahoma or wherever it was. I'm naming faraway places in the Midwest. You would see their address there and a phone number. And you could call it and you could join that little ecclesia. But that's not what Christ preached. The, and I could see that right away. I just knew that. In my heart, God just said, "Well, that's not what I want. I want you to sit down, not in the tens. I want you to sit down in the tens, hundreds and thousands or or tens, hundreds and fifties uh, or tens what does it say tens, fifties, and hundreds, or whatever um, but what it, it's actually it's a it's a formula because there were fifty 000, or five thousand men in their families which could be 50,000 people, they said, you know, tens and fifties and hundreds. But, but what they're really saying is tens, hundreds, and fifty hundreds, which is 5,000. <laughs> so that's why you see that there. But it's basically tens, hundreds, thousands, whatever. You know, if you had 10,000 men in their families, it would have been the tens, hundreds, and thousands. But, uh, anyway, it was a way to organize the people in a network of charity. And when, as soon as they did that, they had enough food to eat. Because they started doing what Christ always said. just love your neighbor. And the same word for love is the same word for charity. So be charitable to your neighbor. So if there isn't enough food for everybody... Those that have extra shares with those don't have enough. And we see that in the early church. Justin the Martyr, he, he's writing the emperor, explaining to the emperor how we set up our social safety net. Because that was what Christians were being persecuted for, is that you had to sign up for a social safety net. It could be a private one, it could be the public one, but everybody had to do it because otherwise you're a vagrant. You had to get some sort of social insurance from somebody. At first, you could do it with a private group. And, of course, Christianity was a private social safety net that was recognized by by uh, the emperors of Rome. That Rome came to the defense of Christians numerous times, and Stephen was put to death because People that normally had paid into the Pharisees were now paying into Stephan. Stephan was one of the seven that they set up. We would already have that seven set up and would already have access to banking. We know a way to do that legally today. But you won't sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. We have some people doing it. But I had a call. My son took the call because it was during the radio broadcast. They didn't even know when my radio broadcast was, evidently. And they know somebody who has been here, and that person had called me earlier in the week. I think I spent 45, 50 minutes on the phone with them, which, you know, I love to do. But when I start getting call after call after call, especially with people who don't actually gather in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, It eats up my whole week. You know, I spend an hour with 20 people. That's 20 hours gone out of my week. Also, I lose my voice by the end of the day. (laughs) I can't do it. Physically can't do it. You'll wear me out. I gotta, I gotta go get in a boat and get offshore. (laughs) Yo, you have to do it the way Christ said. You have to gather in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. So, we created a, a, a network. You know, at, at Preparing You. And, and it's also through His Only Church, you can go there, and, and they'll show you also how that works. But, uh, you know, if you go to the, join the network links at Preparing You, and it, there's also a similar links at, uh, hisholychurch.org and I believe also at hisholychurch.net and since this individual called I can't remember what his name is my son's got it all written down I may not call him back but uh, hopefully he's listening to the show because this is how it works and this is what I'm going to explain to you guys how it works that uh, I go over here so he's in Ohio so I go click on Ohio and it shows uh, you know a page here Step one, join the Google groups. So, it's the Midwest region. Ohio is in the Midwest region. So, we have a group that we call the Midwest Regional Group, which includes Ohio. So, everybody who's in Ohio that wants to gather together should join that group. People will say, well, I don't want to join that group. I just want to be in a little congregation and we meet every week and we'll talk about the Bible and say how much we love Jesus. No. That's not seeking the kingdom. That's seeking your little mutual admiration, club society, whatever, your little congregation. That's not what the early church was doing. If the early church did that, they'd all died. That, I mean, that it would have, the church would have fallen completely apart during the famines that plagued Rome. That they wouldn't have made it. But that's not, they were organizing the way Christ commanded that his followers organize that his ministers were commanded by Christ to make the people organized in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Some, some people say, well, that was just for that one spot. Then why do we see it for centuries and centuries and centuries afterwards? It's not until Constantine came along and started creating churches based on everybody in Milan electing a bishop. That wasn't the tens, hundreds, and thousands. That's the way Rome was doing it already, except for now they were going to have to donate money through charity. But your immediate minister in your community was going to be appointed by the bishop. That's not what Christ said. No, you organize yourselves in tens of hundreds of thousands. That's what Moses did. Moses ran their courts. He ran their system of social welfare. He ran their army through the same tens, hundreds, and thousands. They gathered in those numbers and they worked together in those small micro-communities coming together into a macro-nation. It was never top-down. They had a hierarchy. They had a system of ranking, which the word turtle-dove is actually translated into this, how your estate, you know, And and meaning your rank. In King James it says estate. In other translations it says rank. And Jesus clearly says that there's rank in the kingdom of God. But it's different than the way they do it in Babylon. It's different than the way they do it in Cain's city-state. Because they have rank based on your service, upon your sacrifice, upon your willing to wash the feet of your congregants not ruling over them the power is in the hands of the people that's why it's the perfect law of liberty because now the people organize themselves and they pick a minister and they choose what to give that minister and that minister choose what to keep and what to distribute and what to pass up to his minister eventually it's all heaved up to Not all, but a portion of it is heaved up to the the tens, hundreds, and thousands, and tens of thousands, and 144,000. All the way up to the highest ranking members of the kingdom of God. Who can't exercise any authority over the people. Because they're not popes. They're not that kind of guy. You know, that's what George Floyd always said. I'm not that kind of guy. Moses wasn't that kind of guy. I mean, he started sitting in judgment because everybody kept coming to him. Jethro says, you can't do this. it will make you a dictator. The people have to learn to manage justice in their local community. Jesus said that. He actually called that the weightier matter. Jesus said that the Pharisees were condemned because they didn't attend to the weightier matter. But he, he told his followers to attend to the weightier matters, which is law, judgment, mercy, faith. which in, in that will also include your social welfare system. And the best way to do that is in the micro, which is small congregations. We don't want you sending funds to us as some sort of central authority. If you want to send you know some sort of peace offering or send something extra, you can send something extra to us We're, we can't bar you from doing that. Now I could bar the people from the government who came to us time and time again and said, "If you just sign up, we can pay you. and we wouldn't do it. but we didn't explain that we didn't have the number or anything. Actually, one of the helpers that we did have, did have the number and could have used the number. And he could have used the pay. But I wouldn't sign up, so he wouldn't sign up. Good for him. Of course, we gave him a place to live while he was doing this. And we we provided him with a lot of groceries while he was doing this. And, of course, we took his place so that he could go out and he could get extra work. We've had guys here who who came to help, and we say, go out. There's other people in the community that need help. Go help them and they will pay you. We can't pay you. We don't have any money because there's no heave offerings coming up to us (laughs) because too many people are looking for some little group that they can join and then they can all talk about Jesus and how much they love Jesus and how much they believe the Bible and how they agree with us 100% but they don't actually want to do what the early church was doing. They also don't want to do what Moses was teaching the Israelites when they came out of Egypt. And and until you learn what they were doing, you're not going to be able to come out of Babylon. So anyway, uh, I guess the Ohio group is called uh, His Church in Indiana. That's the, the regional Midwest group. And it includes Indiana, Illinois, Iowa, Missouri, Ohio, and Kentucky. So you join that group, you'll have people from all those states probably in there. Some of the people in those states are probably in a congregation. They may not be in Ohio. I don't know. I don't want to know. And I don't want that information on the net. I want that information written in your heart and your mind. Well, you end up creating your own congregations for Christ and his kingdom. And then, you know, maybe you're spread out. Maybe one of you's in Missouri, one of you's in Kentucky, one of you's in Ohio. But that's three people. That's a start. Then you pick a minister. I know there are ministers. I know some of the ministers are on that group on that Indiana group, which is the regional group. Now, if Ohio got four or five congregations, they could, we could create, not a regional group, but an Ohio group. That's just Ohio. You know, especially if they had ten congregations, we'd just make Ohio a group. And all those ten congregations would be there. But they don't converse on those Email networks, because those email networks, we have it published. What The, per, the purpose is, is to help you sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Once you sit down in a congregational group, and the more you get people closer and closer to you, you can probably meet regularly in somebody's living room, or in a local restaurant, or in a park, or in a cemetery, like the Christians used to do. They used to meet in the cemetery. That was the catacombs. That's why they're in the catacombs. Because that land didn't belong to anybody. It wasn't taxable land. The the graveyards are outside of the system. So you can meet in the graveyards. There's other places you can meet, but I don't want to tell you where those are. The graveyards are enough for now. There's a graveyard everywhere because people have been dying for a real long time. But you you join that Indiana group. And you'll be on the Illinois group, the Iowa group, and the Missouri group, and the Ohio group, and the Kentucky group. And then you can see if you can't put together a congregation, get that congregation up to 10. If you get it up to 20, you break off and make two more congregations, two two separate ones. Actually, if you get up to 20, you can make three congregations based on geography so that you get closer and closer and closer. So you end up with 144,000 Points of light. (laughs) All knowing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. And you start contributing. Start laying down your life for your fellow man. And you give it to the man you trust. And you decide how much. And you can advise him, but he gets to make the choice. Because otherwise, you you still got your hand. I mean, it's like, well, here's a donation of a $100, but you won't let go of the bill every time he tries to take the bill. You, you're still holding on. Are you letting go or not? <laughs> you got to let go. Otherwise, you haven't given it up. That's, that's essential to the psychology and the spiritual psychology of the kingdom of God. you got to let go. And, and hope that it may come back to you, which you have every right to do. And you get to talk to your minister, tell him what you think, because it's freedom of speech. But you can't hew him. You can't regulate him. you you got to let him make the decision. He will make mistakes. He'll give to somebody, and somebody will say, you know, he went and drank up all that money. And, and he'll say, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he was absolutely zonkered the next morning. He didn't even come to work. He was completely oblivious. He took all that money and he just went on a bender. Or he took drugs or mushrooms or some crazy thing. Well, now the minister knows. Don't give to him next time. want to see a little guarantees there. (laughs) I've had people come up and want money from me. I said, why well, do you need money? He said, well, I'm hungry. I said, I'll go buy you something Here's a restaurant right here. Let's go in there and I'll buy you a meal. Oh, I, I just want the money. Well, I thought you were hungry. No, I, I just want the money. I'll, I'll go buy my own food. Well, is there a certain kind of food you want? Maybe we can go over to the grocery store. And I can get it for you. Of course, by this time, I already got a whiff of the alcohol. Yeah, he was looking for a liquid diet. And I don't think he's talking carrot juice. <laughs> so anyway, but so you have to put criteria to charity, or it's it's going to weaken them. And this is what the kingdom does. And you can you can start as slow as you want or as fast as you want, but you actually have to pursue the kingdom of God and the righteousness of the God of that kingdom, and start creating the alternative. Don't fake it, because God will know if you're faking it. you got to do it. And, uh, you know, I, I actually went to the group, to the Indiana group. If you were on the Indiana group, if that fellow who was from Ohio was on the Indiana group, or the girl who called the lady, I guess I should say. I know her. I won't mention any names. If she was on the group, she would have... Got that message, and they would know that they could call in and ask a question. I mean, I got three hours here, and we could do it and and we'll have three hours next week and three hours next week and until I can't come anymore or until there's no more power until we're all struggling to even survive. so the sooner you get started, the better. but it's up to you, yeah, there was a lot of procrastinators. When Christ was preaching... He was raised in the dead... And they were still procrastinating... We'll we'll join later... But I got to go do this... And I got to go do that... No... You need to seek the kingdom of God... And His righteousness... You need to seek it with earnest... And you need to understand... What you're looking for... And so... Join the network... So we have all the states... Alaska, Alabama, Arizona... Arkansas, California... Colorado... Now, when you go to the different ones of these states, they're in other groups. You know, like, there's an Oregon group. That includes Idaho and Washington. It may include Alaska and Hawaii, too. I don't know. But the more we get, if we had, like I said, five, ten congregations in Alaska, Alaska would become its own area. But they will still be connected to all the other groups but in a manageable way. I mean, if you had ten congregations there, you have ten ministers on the Alaska group. And those ten ministers will have a weekly call between all the ministers of that group. And if they have a need, they can come on the regular minister's call and say, you know, something came up at our meeting, they don't all have to call us or they could call me direct. I will take the calls directly from ministers that you pick amongst yourselves. And we keep a record of this. But I don't put it on the internet, so you're not going to find any place on the internet where I tell you where all the people are in Texas. I'm not going to do that. I know there are people in California, and I know there are people in Texas, and they have their own groups. They have their own email groups. They're separate from the network. It makes it hard for the world to keep track of us. But it makes it easier for us to keep track of one another. That's what it's designed for. I mean, when the Nazis took over Europe, the French gathered in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. The French underground, that's the way it was organized, tens, hundreds, and thousands. When the British were trying to take over the United States or, you know, what became the United States, the colonies, the people organized in the tens, hundreds, and thousands because that's the most practical way, especially if you have an enemy looking for you. And and we have South America. That's one whole group. Russia. That's one whole group. Trans-Tasman Network. That's Australia and all the other islands right around it the Middle East, Mexico, India, Europe. Now, we had somebody in India, but they were also a member of the Trans-Tasman Network of Australia. But they should be a member of both. You can be a member of more than one group because all those groups are just to help you organize into the tens, hundreds, and thousands. So if you don't have groups in the Middle East, you can still get on there until we find more people. And you can get on there if anybody else joins and says, I'd like to look for other people like me in the Middle East who listen to keys of the kingdom. You know, not that he would have an accent. He might not have an accent. He might be an American over there in the Middle East. And you can start connecting. But you got to do it. Nobody's going to do it for you. Because the kingdom is about seeking. The righteousness of God, the straight way. It's about persevering in that search. It's not like I get a card, a membership, and then I'm in. No, doesn't work that way. So, I mean, we even got Africa, Madagascar, the Seychelles Islands. I used to notice that somebody from the Seychelles Islands would listen to my show every week. I don't watch that now, but they would listen to the show every week. I kept saying, well, why don't they ever join the network? (laughs) So, you know, when I put that Africa, Madagascar, and Seychelles Islands, or Seychelles is what it stands for, but it's spelled funny. Probably a French spelling or a combination of a French spelling. But, uh, I don't know. I procrastinated and procrastinated. <laughs> it's not enough just to listen, although I recommend that you do listen on a regular basis. So, some of the things, besides having the call in, which we will, in about eight minutes, we'll be ready to take calls. And I'll start giving out the number. But, you know, this morning we were talking about a goat is not a goat, is not a goat, in the, always in the biblical text. And we talked about the she goat and the heifer, and there's two different words for heifer. And and we've talked before about, uh, kidneys. The same word for kidney means reins of control. So there's all this sophistry, and if you, if you apply the words wrong when you translate it, you can come up with really goofy scenarios where you got people burning up sheep and stuff like that, which was never intended because fire. In the Bible, is isn't always fire. Most of the time, it's translated completely different than the word fire. Same letters, same spelling, completely different translation than fire. And one guy said, unless you're a redhead. (laughs) Because it's translated wife. The same word that's translated fire is translated wife. And so the joke about the redhead, that was just a redheaded joke. I think the guy who said that, he's listening, but I won't name names. Don't want him to get in, in trouble with redheads. <laughs> so, anyway, breeches are not underwear. I mean, they could be, but they're, it's a metaphor for covering. Some sort of covering, because you don't have any authority. The ministers, it's not a hierarchy of authority. I said that before. It's a hierarchy of service. So, you become a minister in the church established by Christ, You don't have any authority over anybody. You don't even have authority over your fellow ministers. You have authority over whether you recognize them as fellow ministers, but you don't have authority over them. You can't hew them. You can't regulate them. It's a different kind of government. It's a government for free people. It's a government of the people, for the people, and by the people. But it still needs operating funds. You know, if you want me to build a hospital or a retreat house, I have to have the funds to do it. Now, I, I could take funds from different ministers if they give it to me, but if the people are supposed to be doing this. You would have to be funding us, But I don't want you just sending me money. I want you to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, because Christ didn't say, make the people send you money. Christ said, Make the people sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. So all these words, red heifer doesn't mean a red heifer. All these guys looking for a red heifer so they can start the sacrifice. They're already sacrificing to the temple. But their temple is the government. It's the government that takes care of the widows and orphans and needy of society. It isn't the charge. But that's, that actually brings up a term. The inflection moment, (laughs) which, uh, you know, and back to some of the other words, burnt doesn't always mean burnt, and dove doesn't always mean dove. And you can go back and listen to our turtle dove things and find out that the turtle dove had to do with a system of social welfare that was set up in Sumer and Babylon and all these other places like the United States and Australia. And if you're a member to that, you probably got a number to prove that you're a member. And if you don't have that number, you're going to be excluded more and more and more. I've been excluded for years. But I, my life is a walk of faith. And, you know, I could get afraid at times. I could get depressed at times. But uh, uh being a doer of the Word gives me an immunity to that. <laughs> so. And, and uh, there's lots of room for improvement in me. And if, but if you guys were to sit down in the tens hundreds and thousands, that would be great. Not only for me, but it would be even greater for you. If you actually started caring about your neighbor as much as you care about yourself. Caring about your neighbor's freedom as much as you care about your own freedom. Oh, wow. You would have the power of the Holy Spirit walking right next to you all the time. I, I'm not going to say all the time. Because even the Holy Spirit tests you from time to time. But there was a, I heard several times today from different sources this New World Order summit that they had, you know, Klaus Schwab and all the other Nazis. (laughs) Because he is a Nazi. Uh, His whole family has been Nazis for generations. And that's what he wants. He wants the socialist state. But, you know, mixed amongst these groups, I mean, there's a lot of useless eaters and. And mind numb people but in this group they ultimately want to decrease the population of the world vastly decrease the population of the world they think it's their idea but it's actually the dragon who is coaching them and encouraging them but that's their God they're, they're, they're literally a bunch of Satan worshippers a lot of them because some of them don't think so. But then many of the modern Christians and modern Jews are actually Satan worshippers. They say, Lord, Lord. They say they love Jesus. They say they love Moses. They say they love Yahweh. But they're not doers of the will of God. They're doing contrary to the will of God. And we can show you that in the Old Testament. We can show you that in the New Testament. John the Baptist came along and he said, no, 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 no. We're not going to do it by force. We're going to do it by charity. If you have extra, share with those that don't have enough. And of course, he was organizing the people in the tens, hundreds, and thousands because that's the way the Essenes were organized. And the Essenes took care of almost all their social welfare through charity. The ones that went to the Corbin of Herod and the Pharisees were referred to, and this is a rough translation, as lovers of soft things. And they thought they were entitled. And we paid in. We should get this. You know, I pay in. My parents need help. They should go to the temple. Get the help. Now, they didn't all have to walk all the way to the temple. But all the local synagogues, which were organized in the tens. That's what a synagogue was. It was ten families. They were registered with the temple. They had some sort of record. And they had to heave up an offering. Every, I don't know how often, you know, probably once a week, they had somebody send some of their offering up to the temple. And the temple was very successful. But it was also a hierarchy of power. Because their contributions were compelled. Once you signed up, you had to pay in. It appears that John the Baptist wasn't signed up. It appears that Peter wasn't signed up. There was there was always a temple tax, but it was a tiny little amount. But and so there was a question as who owes the the tax, and of course, Peter said, "Yeah, his master paid the tax." But Jesus took him aside and said, well, "Wait a minute, Peter, you're saying wrong, basically. And, but you said it, so we will pay it. Go down, you know, get the coins out of the." Vicious mouth. For you and me. So, Peter didn't have to pay. Jesus didn't have to pay. But because Peter said that his master paid, Christ saw to it that he got paid. I sold a couple of lambs. And I sold them too cheap. When the guy asked me how much I'd sell them for, I was just uh thinking old prices. Forgot about inflation. and I named too low a price. And he bought some lambs from me. And when he came, I said I should have sold these for more. But I said that price, I will stick to what I said. Because I said it. So I, you know, we don't have to feed those lambs, but we probably didn't need to sell it. We could have kept more of those lambs and raised them up to eat. But I intend to eat a lot of mutton this fall. (laughs) so And uh, maybe an old cow. So I'll probably have plenty of meat as it is. But I said it, so I kept my word. If you say it, you got to do it. And all of you have said, when you've used your number, that you're a part of the system, and so you need to pay in according to your membership. If if you decide, well, I'm not going to do it, and you want to cheat on what you owe the unrighteous mammon, you probably won't be suitable for more righteous habitations. And you'll find it very hard to actually join a congregation and lay down your life through that congregation and cast your bread upon one of the waters in hopes that it comes back to you. you probably find that difficult. Well, as difficult as you find it is how far from seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness you are. But it's... Your choice. Your decision. Because we're about giving you the power to decide for yourself. But anyway, I mentioned this word inflection and at the New World Order Symposium Summit that they had just a couple of days ago. Several people mentioned this word inflection point. And the interesting thing is uh Biden also used this inflection point verbiage or phraseology in a recent speech of his. His Schwab is speech speechwriter, These guys are all in cahoots. They're all planning your demise because you know what? They are organized. They are amazingly, I mean, you look at the Democrats, they are so organized. When they, the Democrats vote one way, every Democrat votes that way. Because they are organized. Because they are organized by exercising authority. If you don't vote the way that the Democrats say that you're supposed to vote, you won't get any money. You'll be out of the Democratic Party within a short period of time. No, they demand loyalty. It's just like they do in hell. Satan always demands loyalty. Christ desires your faith. But That, you know, the word faith and the word allegiance, they are synonymous terms. Except we save allegiance for those people who are under an exercising authority, and we save faith for those people who follow Christ out of love. But a lot of people tell me they love Christ, but they just don't do what he says. So, anyway, this word inflection, basically, it means kind of a change in the form of a word, typically the ending of the word, so you have this extra inflection. In some languages, like Chinese, it's actually tonal, but to express something grammatically. And of course, in Hebrew language, they'll add an extra letter sometimes, and that has to do with the grammar but it also can have to do with other things, because there's several different letters they could add to create the same gra- grammatical function. But sometimes they choose tov, and sometimes they choose other letters. tan, etc. But this inflection point, if you look at it geometrically, it's a point of a, like a curve, that, uh, which can change in direction of a curvature that occurs, you know, the, it's going this way, and then all of a sudden it, there's an inflection, it changes direction. And inflection point are points where function changes, you know, like concavity, where you have concave up, can become concave down. And so that's that's an inflection point, geometrically speaking. But there's also, the, what they're mentioning at the World Economic Forum and what they're mentioning at uh, uh, out of Biden's mouth has to do with this inflection point that refers to a key event that changed the trajectory of some process or situation related to the economy or to society. And inflection points are more significant than the small day-to-day progress typically made in a company or you know a business or whatever inflection point makes for a dramatic change in direction and like I say all roads lead to heaven all roads lead to the to, the war, uh, you know, to Rome to the kingdom of heaven or to Rome and to Babylon it's just about direction and inflection is the determination of that direction when we decided it was okay to force our neighbor to contribute for what we wanted, that was an inflection point. They tried to do it back in 1099 with Lady Godiva. But she said, no. No, we cannot take care of the needy through taxation. Uh, They tried to do it in Rome and they actually successfully did it in Rome but 150 years before augustus caesar they tried to do it or 150 years before christ i should say they tried to do it create that inflection point and Polybius said no it will destroy us but of course they did it anyway julius caesar then augustus and then john the baptist of christ come along and say no let's inflect it the other way Let's go back the other way. Let's repent. Let's turn around. Go the other direction. That's why you need a network. It's so that you can go the other direction as a kingdom, as a government of God. And and we fill out all the little details about this, at least as far as you need to know, in order to organize. But you could have your own bank. It wouldn't be called a bank. It would probably be illegal to call it a bank. But it's actually a legitimate institution and that's, of course, what they were setting up when they appointed seven. They talk about these seven guys they appointed. Seven, look out amongst yourselves, find men you trust, and we will appoint them over this business. Because it's not right that we wait on tables. And the same word that they put there for tables in the Greek is the same word they translate into bank in another location in the Bible. And as a matter of fact, in the Greek language, it still means a bank today. So he wasn't talking, the, the the apostles were not supposed to be setting up a banking institution. But they could appoint the men who could set up that banking institution. And they appointed seven guys. Where do these guys live, do you know where these guys live? We don't know where every one of them live. This I don't, there may be some people who know where some of them live, but we some of them are mentioned later on in the Bible, and we know where they were, and they didn't live in the same town. They were all over the Roman Empire. Why? Because they were forming one of these institutions that is like a bank but not a bank. In many countries, it's actually illegal to call them a bank, but they have a bank they have access to all kinds of banking services. Well, that's one of the things the New World Order wants to do is cut off your banking services. Now, they want to cut off your health. They want to cut off your welfare. They want to cut off your life. They want to destroy your crops. They want to do away with cattle altogether and sheep. And here God has put me out here in the wilderness with cattle and sheep. But I know something they don't know. (laughs) And I don't tell anybody what it is. Certainly not on the air. <laughs> but they're coming up to another inflection point. COVID was an inflection point. That wasn't a change. The, the ideology of wokeness going into the colleges, that was an inflection point in education. And, but... The idea that education can be provided for your kids by taxing your neighbor and threatening to take away your neighbor's house if he doesn't pay for what you want in free education, that's an inflection point. Because that's engaging in a covetous practice. You desire to force your neighbor to contribute to your child's education and if he doesn't want to do it, you're going to take away his home. That's pretty much covetousness. Now, people will say, oh, that can't be right, because if that was right, then I'm not a Christian. Yeah, you're not a Christian. Maybe you're a wannabe Christian, and the wonderful thing about it is we're showing you how to become a Christian. To actually, how to become born again. I mean, really born again, not fake born again with this emotionalism that is usually what they call born again. I know a lot of you want to think, well, I'm born again. I really believe in Jesus. Well, if you're still listening to me after this program, maybe you are in the birth canal. (laughs) Not quite born again, but you're, 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 what what are they, they, they said, you know, the trauma, the, the striving of being born, uh, the labor, you're in the, you're having the labor of and And there is some pain involved. But this is the inflection points that I'm talking about. And you've already passed many of them. Now you have to turn around to go back the other way. And the way to do that. Is to gather together in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And start doing what the first century church was doing. Which is what Christ said to do. And we've done our homework. Now you have to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But this is what everybody has to learn. Is that you can call in on this show, where I'm already talking, might help answer other people's questions. There is a chat room. Call in, or you can ask a question in the chat room, and I should see it. I now have that all open on my switchboard. So, if people have other questions, or they have certain things that they want me to talk about on the radio, if you join the network, you can... Post those to the network because I'm on every single group. I can see what I don't engage in conversations because I can't get any work done. And it's not a conversational group anyway, it's a contact group to help you contact. Somebody just joined into the chat room. So, anyway, we've got a few callers, but we don't have anybody raising their hand. If you want to call in to raise your hand, it's 319 527 6208 and you can ask a question. So, of course, I want to recommend everybody join the network. Yeah, I've been working on strange fire, but there's so much more to this. I mean, if the same word for fire is also the word for wife, then I would have to look at the 425 appearances of that word for wife, when it's translated wife, Which is spelled exactly like the word for fire, but not translated fire. Because nowhere, if you see the word that they're translating fire, it's not the only word for fire. But it appears as fire 373 times, and it appears as wife 474 times. What's the exchange? And again, what I talked about this morning is that this bride of Christ... Concept, which you find all the way back in Proverbs and other things, you're really seeing when they're talking about a sacrifice consumed by fire. Cause it's consumed by the wife. And not, not your personal wife, the national wife. And who's the national wife? Well, who is the bride of Christ? Who, who was the bride that was more precious than a ruby? Well, it's the church in the wilderness why do they call the church in the wilderness a wife a woman you know this more precious than a ruby woman because she was in charge of the welfare system of israel why was the dove goddess a woman why was the parthenon had a a woman goddess why why aphrodite why Diana, these are all, you know, different cultures use these different names. Nisi, feminine name. Because she's taking care of the needy. And women are generally the ones that take care of the needy. If you're dealing with the god of war, that's going to be this guy, Mars. See? So, the the idea that wife is synonymous with fire... When you're talking about the fire that burns up the offering, it's the, it's the female representation of the nation, which is the church, is supposed to be taking care of the needy, redistributing the wealth of the people. The difference between the Nisis and Nazis and the kingdom of God is that the kingdom of God doesn't solely through free will offerings. When we went through that in Exodus, when Moses is saying, all the offerings that come to the temple of God, which is composed of living stones, not dead stones, it's not just the tabernacle tent. Every one of us is a tabernacle. Tabernacle of the Holy Spirit, right? Every one of the Levites is a part of the tabernacle. Because, you know, they have this outer cloth covering, But they are part of the tabernacle. So, from your own home, you can worship God by giving to the minister of your choice to take care of the needs of your neighbor when he falls on hard times. Now, you want to do it in a way that strengthens him. You either do it that way, or somebody, you will end up in a system where they force the contributions of the people, like it says in the New Testament, until John the Baptist, everybody was trying to take the kingdom of God by force like the Nazis, the Nieces, like the New World Order. They're going to force. You're not going to own anything. You already don't own anything. You don't own your labor. You don't own your children. But in order to create the new inflection, they have to attack banking. They've already done the the medical system Even though they know that the vaccinations don't really work, they don't really stop COVID, they don't really save lives. They actually have killed tens of thousands of people. They know that. I mean, the data is right there. You can look it up in BEARS, which is a government collection system that didn't even collect all the deaths. Because they made it, you know, shortly before they started collecting, well, collecting the data for COVID, they made it harder. I mean, it takes a half hour. For a medical professional to fill out the forms. For one patient. Well they were having two, three patients die. And they're understaffed. They didn't have time to fill them out. But even though they didn't have time to fill them out. And they were discouraged to fill them out by hospitals. There were still over 30,000 recorded deaths. Immediately after. Immediately after the vaccination. Within days, symptom, sometimes within hours and even minutes, the symptoms started showing up. I know perfectly healthy people got the shot and they were dead within 72 hours. Blood clots all over the body, they couldn't move, they had to be loaded into a hospital ambulance, taken to the hospital and they died. And their wife, who who insisted upon him getting the vaccination, moved away. She's now a widow. She can probably get social security payments from the government because her desire to force her husband to get this DNA altering therapy killed her husband. That's okay. The government will pay you money. Now I'm sure she doesn't think that way. I don't know what she thinks because she moved away probably in shame. Because she, I mean, she knows. He didn't want to take it. He was dead within 72 hours. Perfectly healthy guy. One minute, got the shot, died. And that's not the only case I know of. These are people I actually know. Most of the people I know that are close to me, they wouldn't take the shot. I had a granddaughter took the shot because she wanted to go to concerts. She may do okay. She may not. Everybody took the shot. Well, we're all going to die. Some of us are going to die earlier. And some of us are going to die earlier because we took the shot. But threat to your life is coming in gangbusters compared to what we see saw during COVID. Okay. Well, this this is a guy in Pennsylvania. It is. Because he just said one name here. But I can see it. And I remember so he could ask a question in the chat room and I will see it. Anybody else join the chat room uh, at Freedomizer. I will, it, you can type in a question, you can type in a topic and uh I will address that. It's interesting that, yeah, I know a lot of Pauls but I think I know which Paul this is. <laughs> so, okay. So, we have access to the chat room. We have access uh, through the cell phone so if anybody wants to call and ask a question but I, I I don't know sometimes I guess I'm intimidating I'm really a nice guy <laughs> nobody should be afraid I have been going through well I started Exodus uh, or episode 17 of the Jordan Peterson deal but I put a lot of the episode 16 down and I have lots of topics he starts off talking about They Wire says, Jordan and the scholars trace Moses' journey from Numbers to the end of Deuteronomy. Despite being able to see the promised land, Moses is unable to enter it before his death. But his name becomes a symbol of Israel and God's promise to his people. And they go into a little bit why they think that he wasn't allowed in. I have to glance down at the studio if anybody calls in or asks a question. Um, and you can ask a question without calling in. Evidently, you can join the chat room at Freedomizer, and we're on live at Freedomizer right now. And but anyway, Jordan Peterson and his panel needs to rethink their understanding of Exodus. In his summary, he mentions worshiping. Idols got them into trouble, which goes much deeper than the modern Christian's view of what that supposedly means, what that their actual understanding. We know in the New Testament that covetousness is idolatry, and idolatry is covetousness. We know that because it says it in Colossians three five and Ephesians five five, and First Corinthians five ten. So there's lots of fives in there, <laughs> but it. It is basically, covetousness is idolatry. And idolatry is covetous. So if you desire benefits at the expense of your neighbor through the governments that exercise authority, you are an idolater. You're eating the dainties at the table of welfare by men, of men who exercise authority, which is a snare. So, what you have to do is start setting the table of the Lord. You have to start doing it, and that requires sacrifice. Now, I know some people just don't have the means to give much or anything, but and, and there may come a day where we start taking people in. We don't have a lot of facilities now. But if they come here, they're working. Uh, they don't come here and play their own game. You know, we we made allowances where people come here and they help out a little bit. And we say, oh, look, here there's a local guy looking to hire somebody. And he may pay $15, $20 an hour. And we may give you accommodation so you're not paying any rent. We haven't ever charged rent. We don't rent buildings. But we have provided, you know, where they can live. And they could go and make some money. But then when they don't go off of these other jobs, then they need to work here. And if they don't want to work here, that's fine. That road goes both ways. There's a lane on the right side and a left side, and one comes and the other one goes. But I work here. Everybody, My wife works here. We all work here. Nobody pays us. We don't have any wages. I'm well into my 70s. I don't collect Social Security. I don't have Medicare. I don't have Medicaid. Uh, and The donations that come in as far up to me are minuscule. Because you know most of the donations go to other ministers and they deposit them in their own accounts, you know in the church accounts we have church accounts for the congregations, but we should have our own church bank like the first century church set up with those seven men. And if you go look seven men we we'll, we explain that in great detail. We have a whole article on it, but right now, I was just going through. The, the other topics that he gets on to, you know, I mean, this is the whole point, Cain, there were Cain's sacrifice There was a problem with it. And we've explained that before. And then there were altars of Abraham and the altars of Moses, which is the social safety net of Abraham and Moses, where they were taking care of the needy through free will offerings at these altars of living stones uh, where the living clay gathered together. So there were altars of clay and altars of stone. And that, and between those, they took care of the needy of society, which bound, created those social bonds of society. We have an article on social bonds. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I've already put some of these links in. Uh, I'm putting together a whole page on this. I've got a little bit more to write on. And then I'm going to go back at the beginning of Jordan Peterson's episode one, two, three, four. And, uh, Upgrade my notes. I wasn't taking really good notes at the beginning. And then hopefully we'll start doing videos. I'll probably have to get a haircut. But uh, I know my my barber intimately. So she, uh, she always gives me a haircut if I ask for it. <laughs> She's pretty busy. Taking care of the elderly. I mean, see, this is one of the things, you know, when I was back in Pennsylvania. I was telling people, you know, they had an elderly person who wanted to be a part of a congregation. And they needed a little bit of help. Yeah, I remember reading a story about a guy who, who lived, I don't know if he was in Pennsylvania, but he was one of those Midwestern states. And there was an elderly woman that lived not too far away. And he would, this, these guys were workers. They would work all day. And uh, instead of going into his house, he would walk all the way through the woods to this elderly woman's It's literally a shack. And check on her. Sometimes, you know, he would take food from their table. You know, he'd go in and eat. Take food from their table and take it to the elderly woman to make sure she had food. This was done all across America. That where you would help take care of the elderly in your community. Maybe they didn't have any kids or maybe they had terrible kids. Or maybe their kids died or their and their husband died and they were uh, they were old. I'm old. You know, I still do an awful lot of work, but I'm old. And someday somebody might have to take care of me. I dread it will be my daughter. <laughs> She's ruthless. <laughs> there won't be any going off your diet if my daughter's taking care of <laughs> you. But, uh, no, I'm just teasing. But, uh, This is what societies did. And and if you think about 600,000 people leaving Egypt, traveling all the way down that way, crossing the, uh, the Gulf of Aqaba, going into this wilderness area, sometimes short of water, sometimes short of food. you got elderly people. I mean, Moses lived to be 125, but people had to take care of one another. And they had learned to do this because they were... The welfare benefits that they had been getting in Egypt weren't coming anymore. They couldn't even get straw out of the pharaoh, much less the welfare benefits. But they had to learn to take care of one another, which is all part of learning to be a free people. Uh, reading all those posts in the chat room. And one of them is, why can't Jordan Peterson be invited to a roundtable discussion? Well, actually, I was hoping Jordan Peterson invite me, which is why I'm going to do the videos critiquing the Jordan Peterson deal, because they said right in their deal that there was somebody missing <laughs> who could explain some of the questions that none of their scholars could explain. And like I pointed out, that I was shocked that when their scholars said, why are some of the words in the, in the Bible italicized? And you had this whole round table of scholars, and nobody knew why they were italicized. I thought, like, well, that's like day one. <laughs> I mean, It's right there. It, it tells you in the book why some of those words are italicized in many of the Bibles. I don't know if it's in every Bible, but it's certainly well known. I mean, you can probably Google it. Why are words italicized in the King James Bible? It's because they're not in the original text. They added them. In order to make it fit their narrative, they're they're just not in the original text. But anyway, they talk about giants and floods and then, you know, well, they talk about the the sin and the city. They actually don't really go into that. that. Was one of the things, the creation of the first city states. If you look in there where they talk about Cain and Lamech and all these guys, there's another group of guys. You know, you had. Cain and Abel but then you had Seth and but you had another Lamech you had a Lamech over here and you had a Lamech over there one of them had this city-state that was built along the lines of Cain and the other one was following the ways of God so what was the distinction between them well the distinction is seen in the nature of their altars and the nature of their sacrifices which we've explained But these guys don't get it. They don't even know that the altars were a system of social welfare. Even though David says, what should have been for your welfare is a snare. Proverbs says that don't sit and eat with a ruler because his dainties are deceitful meats. Where John the Baptist says, until John the Baptist, everybody was trying to establish the kingdom of heaven by force. But John the Baptist said, no, do it through charity. Christ said, do it through charity. All those guys around the round table, they might have some charitable bones in their body, but 90% of all the welfare in their communities is provided to them by men who exercise authority. But they only provide it for people who have the number. Now, if you come from Mexico, you didn't have the number, you've never paid in, but they will give you the number. For a long time there, all you you could go out and fill out, I forgot the name of it, I've written about it, but there's a little form, and it's in Spanish, and you can fill it out, and, and you kind of put down whatever your number was in Mexico, and they will give you a social security number. Even if you're in the country illegally. Well, now I understand that they're handing out social security numbers, and you don't even have to have your number from Mexico. And this is really opening the door to the criminal element who will come here and get a social... I'm sure, I am sure, since you don't have to identify yourself to get the social security number, if you're Mexican, you do if you're in the United States, try to go get a social security number that was not given to you at birth 20 years after. That's an interesting experience because I know people have done that. But uh, undocumented workers can get Social security numbers, easy, easy. And uh, they can actually, if they don't even have to be workers, they can get social security numbers because they, they can get benefits. There are people going around trying to get more benefits for people that were in the country illegally, especially those that were born in. But now this this recent thing, you can get a number easy because that's what you get in order to get all these benefits. And they were doing it in Australia years ago, where you could get more benefits if you were an illegal in the country than people who had been there all their life working in the country. You had less things to qualify for and more benefits you could get. If you were a guy who would worked, you know, 40, 50 years in Australia... There were X amount of benefits you could get. You could get more of those benefits if you were an illegal alien from places like Indonesia. Oh, it's going to be a bloodbath in Australia. An absolute bloodbath. But uh, it's going to be a bloodbath in South Africa as well. And Europe is going to be absolutely devastated. Uh... The shortage of foods, the plagues, um, you know, the violent clashes, it's its just going to be, I don't even like to look at it. I mean, if you can see the future emotion round about you, you, it becomes a distraction. Because the kingdom of heaven is in the moment. And that's where you have to be, is in the moment. And, and the reason, you know, the, the, the guys who are giving out all these benefits, you know, I'm looking in the chat room and glancing at stuff. I can't stop to read stuff too much. But, uh, the, the greatest destroyers of liberty are the grantors of gifts, gratuities, and benefits. And here you got these people crying for reparations. Uh, I can't, there's a activist back in the, 70s, 60s, 70s. And she's uh, Angela Davis. Angela Davis. She's a big one for reparations and, you know, f- uh, from slave owners and from the whites and all this kind of stuff. And You know, she wants all that kind of stuff. Well, somebody did her her family tree. And it ends up that she's descendant from People who came over on the Mayflower. And she's the descendant of slave owners. And uh, so, theoretically, she owes reparations. <laughs> she was shocked. She was shocked. But no, reparations would put the nail in the coffin for blacks. If you hate blacks, pray for Reparations. Because that is the worst thing you can do for blacks, is to start giving them so-called reparations. No. Now, in the kingdom of God, there's reparations. That's all voluntary. Sin offerings, trespass offerings, those are all reparations, offerings. But you get to decide what you're going to give. And by what you decide, so shall you be judged. Because as you judge, so shall you be judged. If you are industrious for the kingdom, God will see that and will provide for you. I mean, really, in real ways. But anyway, I talk about giants and floods and in the macro. And I I make this, I started doing it way back when Prager, who was on the panel, was saying that the government of Israel was in the macro, but, you know, the righteousness of the people is in the micro. No, the government of Israel was in the micro (laughs) in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. There was no central treasury, so there is no government in the macro. There is nobody who could draft you into an army in the Old Testament kingdom of God. There is in the New Testament, or not New Testament, but in the present Israel, and certainly in the... Actually, uh, The Jews, at the time of Christ, were exempt from military service. They couldn't be drafted, even by the Roman army, because of religious freedom. They they couldn't be drafted under Augustus. Now, later on, that was not the case, but later on, Israel was destroyed, (laughs) or, or Judea was destroyed. But, no, the government of God is in the micro. That's why you have to sit down in the tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands to take care of the needy of society in pure religion. Because it's in that pure religion that the social bonds are created that allows you to be the government of God. If you don't create those social bonds, you won't be the government of God. So that you have to find these congregations and get in them and not pick and choose... I mean, you have still a choice day by day who you're going to help, how much you're going to help, etc. But if you're not generous with your help, don't expect anybody to be generous with you. If you don't go, if, if people see, well, there was a widow here and you didn't want to go help, they're not going to rush to help you. But if they see you rush to help others, serve others, then they will rush to help you. Because as they know, as you judge, so shall you be judged. You know, James Orr talks about eight, uh, almost nine minutes into, uh, episode 16. He speaks of this relational bond at uh, the political and even anthropological level, anthropological level, uh, where your attachment to society is through what they call the Burkean platoons. And I wasn't, I wasn't really when they, they said it, when James said it, I thought like, Burkean platoons? What's he talking about? Of course he has a little bit of an English accent. and wasn't sure how he was spelling Burkean. You know, is it B-E-R-K-I-A-N? Well, it's B-U-R-K-E-A-N. Well, that's Burke. And, and he did make a reference to platoons. That, that's the government in the micro. That you can't develop social bonds with people a thousand miles away. You can't develop social bonds with a thousand people two miles away. So, you have to create social bonds with people that are two miles away to the number of ten. Maybe a little bit to the number of a hundred, which is tens hundreds. Ten congregations in a local Pennsylvania town could form... This union, but I can tell you this: if you aren't industrious, if you're slothful, if you're not caring for others, if you're not, you know, doing all the things that we see Christ finding the time to do for your fellow men in your group of tens and hundreds, they're going to see it. They're going to know it. But if, if if you're, you know, a keyboard Christian. They're not going to know you. They're not going to create those social bonds. So they talk about these and platoons, which Burke was saying that people had to gather together, Edmund Burke, he had to gather together to take care of one another, and this created the social bonds. This is how we won the Revolutionary Wars, because we had that going on in America. And so that's if you have that, you'll have the Minutemen. I mean, and the men, men will come out when there's a fire. They'll come out when your house burns down. They'll come out when you don't have a job, and they'll help you. But they will also reckon. These will be industrious men. They will recognize those people that are like, oh, I really don't have time for this, and I really don't want to do that. But anyway, so Edinburgh started this stuff, and I and they mentioned a number of guys, and I went and explored some of these guys. You know, like David French and. And Yuval uh, Levin, he wrote The Fractured Republic. I haven't really read that, but in The Fractured Republic, and of course we certainly have a fractured republic, we have, we, we could have, back in The Republic you had the little platoons, but in the democracy you, I mean they want to do away with the electoral college. But the glue that binds society is produced on the platoon level. On the tens level, and then you know, okay, so you got tens and hundreds, and so now you got hundred families, and in Pennsylvania, and there's a fire in Maryland, and several people in the network lose their homes, and the insurance company is not paying off. Well, suddenly, a check through our own banking system comes that. Donates $100,000 to these families that lost their home in Maryland. And it came from Pennsylvania. Well, you can bet when not only the people in Maryland, but the people in Virginia will hear about it. The people in Texas will hear about it. And they'll say, hey, like those guys, they really gave. You know, and, and you say a hundred thousand—that's a lot of money and everything. Well, if you're dealing with thousands of families, it's not so much. You know, it's a buck. You know, you know, a couple bucks, ten bucks
1: for a thousand families.
0: But it's a lot of money to go down and you know maybe just create shelters and and then the local people. You know, it's usually when there's these these climactic events these convection points, uh, it's a matter of adjusting for a very short period of time. You know, I mean, there's no food whatsoever. There is no drinking water whatsoever, whatsoever because there was a hurricane or a tornado that went through. You just need a little bit of help to get you through that. And then you get on your feet with everybody else and then you start working together and and they may need a little bit more help out from time to time, they could get a loan from this non-bank bank that I'm talking about, that the church should already have, and would already have, if people stopped procrastinating, started sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, start doing what Christ said. We could already have that up and running. But there may be a reason why we don't. But, uh, Maybe because we would have jumped the gun, but now we're to the place where we need to start realizing it and start making it happen because they're after that. So we got some more people in the chat room trying to apply Revolutionary War assumptions to a 21st century world is something that isn't going to work. Well, Mr. Four Persons, it does work. <laughs> They're not assumptions. It's a matter of historical record. Uh, it may be an assumption if you're not educated in what was really going on then, but you have to actually see, I, I, re- I was taught history in school, and I, I only went to private schools. I was going to St. Joseph's College back in 1960 uh, two. And I was 13 years old. And so I do have a little bit more fundamental background in this. But I didn't really learn history till I was teaching my own kids' history. And I, I I turned to my oldest son, who's now, you know, in his 50s, and I said, you know, who's George Washington? You know, he was only eight. And he said... Well, he chopped down a cherry tree, he was the first president, he had wooden teeth. (laughs) All these trite little things that we learn in history. And they've been teaching us as pretend history for quite some time. And I realized, well, now, who is he? Who was he? What did he believe? What did he think? Because that's not telling me who he was. Wooden teeth, really? Cherry tree, really? And so, the fact is, there are volumes of his own writings his letters to this guy and that guy, what he was thinking. I mean, when he first started doing his diary, he was like 17 years old, working as a surveyor's assistant. He couldn't even hardly write. It was scribble. Uh, he couldn't spell. Of course, I couldn't spell. <laughs> I wasn't a very good speller. I'm extremely dyslexic. But anyway, that's my excuse. But uh, the reality is, he learned. He taught himself. But you read all those writings and then you'll get an idea who George Washington was. But you'll also find out that they were all organized in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. That's how the men have been working. So, they're not Revolutionary War assumptions. They're realities. They're facts. He says they had drones in 1776. Interesting. Who said that? <laughs> I don't know, it sounds like he's a troll. But, uh, I don't know. Uh, they, they had the tens, hundreds of thousands. They had the tens, hundreds of thousands, like I said, during, you know, the Nazi occupation of France. That's how they organized. That's, that's well known, well documented. If you read the actual accounts of the people who were working in the underground, that's how they organized. And it was very effective. And the fact is, is now, In the 20th century, or 21st century now, but it was actually starting to go on in the 20th century when I had friends who were working in the missions in Indonesia. Because there was a great deal of persecution of Christians in Indonesia at that time. There there still is. But uh, they organized in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And they found it life-saving. And it found it very effective. The underground church in China, doing the same thing. So these are all 20 and 21st century examples of how it works. Now, just the numerical values alone is not going to make it. You also have to have the character of Christ and the opinions of Christ and the what and be following the way of Christ in order to create those real social bonds. It's not about math. But it is a practical way. Like the Romans organized in the 12s and 144s, <laughs> etc., because their horse were usually 12 families, or at least it appears that way for most. Because you know, I was translating Latin documents when I was 14 years old. So yeah, I've I've read the original texts of people like Julius Caesar, who began to change the way that that they organized in those, those tens, hundreds, of thousands, or 12s. Uh, 144s, etc. He began to change that and began to create this centralized idea of government, which is one of those convection points that uh, altered Rome. And we've done whole programs and articles on that. But these are actual historical facts that they are around. He says, I'm not a troll. Would you take my call? Uh, But it would not be effective today. You are delusional if you think it will. One man's delusion is another man's truth. And evidently, this guy, the four persons, he sounds kind of schizophrenic. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not supposed to take his call. I guess it wouldn't work today. De- oh, he's saying that, because he doesn't really identify, he's not even writing in whole sentences, which kind of makes me think he's more of a troll, because that's what they do commonly. I have a whole article on trolls, you can go read that at Preparing You, because uh, there's a whole mentality. You know, they know everything, everybody else is wrong, and, and if you engage them in a conversation, they will not stick to one point. Once you prove they're one point wrong, they will jump to another one almost immediately. So, the four persons are Mark 12. Okay. Well, I'll follow that up, whatever he thinks it is. But uh, Christ commanded that the people organized in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. The early church was organized that way, very clearly, from early church documents. You see it over and over again. Now, if you just read stuff here and there that the Catholic Church has allowed everybody to read, because they've reproduced it, but you have to actually go out and read the early documents, and the other documents of the time, Tacitus and all these guys, because the Teutons were organized in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, too. You can find documents talking about people all the way back to the time of Nimrod organizing in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And it's well understood that even Judea was still organized in the tens, hundreds, and thousands at the time of Christ, because all synagogues were ten. But this is why I say that it's not the number that has any magical uh, you know, effect on the situation. It's whether or not you're actually doing what Christ said. What she said, not to go to men who exercise authority, one over the other, to get your benefits. Don't go to the benefactors who exercise authority. It's not to be that way with you. But about 90% of what is representing itself as Christianity today, 90% of what is representing itself as Judaism today, all go to the government, which is men who exercise authority, to get the dainties of their welfare system, which Paul and David say is a snare. And Peter says, we'll make you merchandise. If I had any idea that four persons actually took the time to find out what we are saying instead of just saying you know uh, trying to apply revolutionary war assumptions to a twenty first century world is something that isn't going to work. Well, for one thing, he put in the word assumptions. They're not assumptions, they're facts. And they would work, and they are working today in some of the places that are receiving the greatest amount of persecution. But that persecution is going to spread to the rest of everybody. So, anyway, I see a lot more numbers coming in from other places. Um, That's interesting. I suppose one of them could be four persons. The four persons. I'll have to go read that. He says, Mark 12 but it isn't the whole Mark 12 it must be a little portion of Mark 12 that he's talking about but anyway so I see that going on in the chat room welcome to the chat room well the other guy was asking uh, Paul was asking why is China making so many deals with Africa because because they they killed Gaddafi (laughs) they got him out of the way (laughs) thanks to Hillary because uh, Gaddafi was actually creating, you know, a monetary system that was gold-backed. Well, you can't have that. Uh, the, one of the people that was just on the World Economic Forum, or what they call the New World Order Forum, that just met a couple of days ago, they they were familiar with when Nixon went off. You know, suppo- the, the gold standard we went off back in with FDR, but went off the silver standard. So uh, she was incorrect about that, but uh, there was some serious changes back there in 1977, etc. I actually had one of my, actually probably my best friend, uh, and dad worked for the Federal Reserve back then, and actually it was before 1977. He was my best friend around 1968. But... You know, I, I was at their house, they explained to me how the Federal Reserve worked. It's one of those things that only God could arrange that you be there. You know, like, I mean, like, how was I gonna meet somebody at the Federal Reserve? Well, my best friend Dad worked there. <laughs> oh, Mike. Uh, so we, you know, got to meet him, got to hear all about it. I mean, Michael, uh, we were both pretty, I was younger than him, cause, i had actually gone back, I'd left St. Joseph's College and gone back to regular high school, which was a lot easier than college courses. Um, And Michael was one of my friends and i traveled travel around with him, but he had, I don't know, tens of thousands of dollars at least. I mean, I could see at least $40,000 that he had in at least one account. But he also had all kinds of gold and silver and everything. And he wasn't getting anything from his dad. He was making it all himself. And he was explaining to me how those things all work. And And he was still in high school. Well, we were sophomores. Because I actually went back to being a sophomore in high school from St. Joseph's College. I, I decided to leave on my own. Sort of on my own. Nobody asked me to leave. But uh, that's another long story. But he, anyway, uh, Paul was asking why China... Making so many deals in Africa because they're natural resources. They're trying to tie up the natural resources, and you know Africa is ripe for communism, and uh, so they're they're going to South America to some degree, but Africa more so. They're very ruthless in Africa. I mean that's what's going to happen to South Africa, which is like I said. We have I've talked to bishops and and uh, we had people in Africa, but they. I warn you, uh, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. No, you need the full armor of God for the days that are coming. And so, some of the things that Christ said to do are really important. But I... I don't want to give a platform to four persons because it doesn't sound like he knows at all what we're talking about because he's criticizing us about things that are absolutely true which we have huge amounts of evidence. I mean, there, we have thousands of recordings and hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of articles and all books free on there that go through this step by step. Show you word by word. Show you, I mean, you know, we'll we'll have one article with over 150 footnotes showing you where we got them. Actual document. We did the same thing to COVID. You know, I would, actually the guy who performed more autopsies on COVID patients uh, that knew their medical records before they even got COVID was already in their experimental treatment programs, not for COVID, but for why they were performing the autopsies. I personally communicated with him. In the early days. He knew the story, but he couldn't speak out. I mean, this is the University of uh, Georgetown, Washington, D.C. Brilliant scientist. Brilliant scientist. Uh, Key. Professor Key. Dr. Key. uh, He's not an oriental guy, but His name is Dr. Key. He he knew, he'd, he'd been to China and taken blood samples and examined them and knew that they already had a vaccine in the early days. Malone. Malone knew, way back when he first invented mRNA, that it's counterproductive. Because the body is going to treat the mRNA as a foreign invader. But see, the guy's manufacturing knows that this will attack your immune system. That's, that's how it decreases, supposedly decreases hospitalizations for COVID. Because hospitalizations come about because your immune system picks up so much momentum, it overreacts, that you end up With respiratory problems and fever problems, and then uh, allergic reaction to this foreign protein, which is where a lot of the breathing problems come from after eight days, and and you got these scientists down in Africa that actually figured it out, and it says, oh, when they have the breathing problems at seven and eight days after their original symptoms show up, that's probably an allergic reaction to the proteins that are being released into their system by the dying off of the viral agents. And so they just treat it with regular allergenic drugs, you know, allergy-reducing drugs to cut down on the histamines and all that, and they only have to do it for a few days until the bulk of the protein disappears out of their system. Now, that's sound medical stuff that everybody should have known, ivermectin, well, how ivermectin works. They're still trying to figure out how ivermectin works, but they know it has antiviral agents to it. I mean, Haiti had the lowest death rate of almost any country in the world. And they were almost void of vaccinations. There were almost nobody who was getting vaccinations in Haiti because early on, they were suspicious of it, yet they have the, one of the lowest death rates. Now, there's two reasons why they have a low death rate. One is that nobody got vaccinated. <laughs> that's, that's a good one. And the fact is, is there are a lot of people down there in ivermectin anyway. Depends on what part of Haiti that you're living in. You know, all the poor people aren't taking ivermectin, but it's been around for a long, long time. So, anyway, we knew all this ahead of time. I was one of the early people to get COVID. I mean it, it, you know, I missed chores for a couple of days. My wife took up the slack. And, and then when she got COVID, I did her chores. That's the way we do it. But we all got better. Had a little dry cough for a little while. And I have bad lungs. Uh, you know, you know, I'm an old guy as everybody was saying. Well, you're old. <laughs> You know, it really isn't the elderly horde. It's the flu. It's the flu. And we actually got our COVID directly from the Chinese. Because <laughs> my son was down there doing liaison work for the Oregon government. And he was, and, and the governor of Oregon had invited 400 Chinese people. <laughs> Some of them probably came directly from Wuhan. And uh my son said they're probably going around licking the buttons in the elevator. <laughs> so he got it, he brought it home, I got it. But it was just a flu. Your body is remarkable, takes care of these things rather quickly and rather easily. Uh if you but you have to help it sometimes. And you can do an awful lot to hinder your body in fighting this. But that's just your body. Now, what are you going to do about the economy? What are you going to do about the shortage of food that is coming in? What are you going to do about the, the games they're going to play with banking and digital currency? What are, you, what are you going to do? What are you going to do about travel? What are you going to do about moving food around? You know, I mean, uh, you know, I, I've done a lot of stuff. I've been a lot of places. I remember when they, they had a hurricane down there and, They tried to deliver fresh water down there. And the uh, Homeland Security stopped semi-trucks loaded with fresh water from bringing water to people who had no plumbing and the sewage was in the street. And they were, you know, where the the nurses were actually giving themselves IV so that they would stay hydrated because there was no water to drink, no good water to drink and you know, they couldn't even boil it because you know, uh, well where there was gas they could boil it but where there was electricity stoves they couldn't boil the water which is why they're trying to cut out gas everywhere and make it illegal so that you only have electrical because it's a lot easier to shut off the electrical than it is to shut off the gas <laughs> So, they're, you're, you're in the midst of a war. And, and they're moving their troops around. And, of course, most of their troops don't even know what they're doing. They're just idiots. But they want to decrease the world population. They want you starved to death. But the, this mass formation of psychosis didn't start with COVID. It started with the idea that you can be a Christian and still covet your neighbor's goods so that you can have free education and free health care and somebody takes care of your parents through social security. Because social security is the corbin of the Pharisees that makes the word of God to none effect. That's just the case. I don't know if uh, the four persons knows that. Why was the corbin corbin of the Pharisees and of Herod and of the Sadducees because they say that They all had the same Corbin. The Essenes didn't use that Corbin most of the time. Most Essenes wouldn't have anything to do with that Corbin. And the Christians wouldn't have anything to do with it. As a matter of fact, if you got the baptism of John the Baptist or the baptism of Christ and his followers, you were kicked out of the system of Corbin, of the Pharisees, run through the temple, which had become public religion. But Christ set up, the korban of Christ. I mean, the charitable box in the churches in the first century were called the Corbanus. Corbin means sacrifice. The Corbin of Moses spelled a number of different ways but it's always Corbin. It means sacrifice. It means a free will sacrifice when Moses talks about it. That draws you closer to God. Does the four persons know that? Has he done his homework to know so that we can even have an intelligent conversation? Or is he just somebody who thinks he's already knows everything and we should just listen to him? I don't know. I don't know who he is. I, I'm pretty sure I know who Paul is. Yeah, uh, he just mentioned the fact that yeah they're talking about making gas ranges illegal. Now, we have gas ranges out here, but we use propane so we can actually store up our own. But I have a wood cook stove in the house. Across the other side of the kitchen, I have an electric cook stove. I out my office out on the desert. It's way out there. It's it runs on solar, and uh, it has a wood cook stove in it. And uh, it's it survived 130 mile an hour winds. <laughs> so it's. But we have a lot of other things. We're not survivalists. We want to see if we can't get thousands of people to survive the days ahead. But how do we know who to let in? How do we know who to let on the call Uh to even get further? How do we know you need to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and start filtering yourself out? Because the people who really don't want to do what Christ did just want to think they already know. You know, the the trolls of false religion... Uh, they're not going to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. They're not going to start practicing pure religion. They're going to keep clinging to the covetous practices of the world. When they hit 65 or 70, they're going to collect Social Security. Uh, They're going to collect welfare. They're going to collect unemployment. They're going to collect this from a government that's been bankrupt since before 1929. And it's still bankrupt today. Social Security has never been solvent. It's always been unsolvent. Oh, I can't see who that is calling, but hopefully there's somebody out there. I have seen people going in and out. Saw the milk cow go by the window. <laughs> it, that was It was a half milk cow. We took it off the desert. We don't need to drink much milk, but this is nice to have cream in your bulletproof coffee from time to time. <laughs> I never drank coffee till I was like 72. <laughs> but uh, I do drink a little bit of it now. So anyway, uh, four persons said something. So that's how you roll. Uh, well, actually, I roll side to side. But you refuse to even hear a person's arguments. I don't know that you have any arguments. I haven't seen anything in your posts here that would even suggest that you have any knowledge of the kingdom of God other than the fact that you've said something about you're the four persons in Mark 12. Before you dismiss them as a troll, I just said you look like a troll. You write like a troll. Seems like you are very fearful of having your assumptions put to the test. I don't, I didn't know I had any assumptions. You, you've assumed that what I'm stating is an assumption. That's your assumption. What I'm stating we have documentation of. We have an article, tens, hundreds, and thousands. We show you how it's the most predominant form of government, self-government, throughout the history of man. I can give you a whole book, Enterprise of Law. Let's see that was written by a Paul. Uh, wasn't it? I can't remember his full name, I'm bad at names. But uh, oh, I almost had it there. But enterprise of law. Uh, that that was a direct quote. out of Enterprise of law. But before I even read it, there I read it in, you know, in the, in the writings that came down from Or. I mean, they're still finding tablets in Or that are telling you all kinds of stuff. And and but you know. Used to be when I was born nobody could translate cuneiform. <laughs> we can translate it now. I can't really and I've done a little study of cuneiform, but it's quite different. Yeah, it's it's actually a language that would be very very useful in as a programming language because of its structure, it's very very refined structure. But uh uh and we have programmers that probably could delve into that but we don't need to. We can, you know, actually I just saw an expert programmer go by the window leading the dairy cow. (laughs) Because he can not only program all kinds of different computers, uh, he can milk a cow. (laughs) He really likes blacksmithing though. So we're well versed out here. He's about six foot six. Of course he was about six foot five when he was 14 years old. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's a big guy. But anyway, see, it seems like you are very fearful of having your assumptions put to the test. Well, they're there, but you haven't figured out, if you're still calling them assumptions because you're assuming that they're assumptions, but we're, they're not assumptions, they're facts. And we back them up with, like I said, thousands and thousands and thousands of footnotes. That actually sometimes link to the actual documents as they're recorded on the net. Amazing in that how how many sources of information you can attach to. I used to have to wander through dusty libraries for hours and hours. <laughs> and now now you can. They actually have photographs of the original text in their original language. You can go. And actually read Paul in the original Greek, or pretty close to the original Greek. Paul usually wrote in Greek. I'm sure he wrote some Aramaic documents as well. And and we do have some of those in existence, but mostly those are in the fragment stage. But fragments are fascinating to read. It, I mean, there, there's way more fragments than there are whole documents. But which is why when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls which a lot of that is fragments they kept them from them until they had gone see normally you find a find like that now with photographic skill you can photograph it, digital photograph it and you should have released it to all academia everywhere That that is the standard practice in archaeology I've been studying archaeology uh, and, and geomorphology for 60 years and That is the way you would do it. That is the normal way you would do it in academia, to give everybody access to it. I mean, you still get the claim of the find and all this stuff, but it pushes everybody to to examine these documents and come up with... They didn't do that with the Dead Sea Scrolls. They hid them. And and there are all kinds of guys writing letters trying to figure out why are they hiding them. Why aren't they releasing them to academia? They've already photographed them. They have the digital photographs. Well, they had just regular photographs at first because it's back in 54. But, of course, they found more now. But the ones they found, they had regular photographs. But they've all been digitized. Long after they were digitized, they still weren't releasing them. Why weren't they releasing them? And who was stopping their release? Well, I know firsthand from people right on the ground. Two major organizations were stopping the release of the Dead Sea Scrolls to major academia. One was the Orthodox Jews. I shouldn't say Orthodox. The politically Orthodox Jews. The Zionists. You know, I don't want to pick on Jews or anything. Because it was just a handful of people in power. And the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church didn't want them released. Until they had checked them out to find, well, what was in them. (laughs) Typical. Typical. But anyway, you could make all kinds of assumptions. But now they've, I, I wouldn't think that they're all released, but a great many of them are released. I can't really tell you that they've all been released. But I've looked at a great many of them and they're fascinating, the way they were written. And it's it's fascinating to read them because they were writing in the context of the time. I mean, they're way older than some of our copies of the biblical text. But a lot of it is not biblical text. But then, if you understand the Hebrew language and how the letters have meanings, when you go through them, you can start to see, oh, well, fire is this and kidneys are that and and you know what all these words, uh, theoretically mean. So anyway, uh, so he, uh, four persons, uh, you want to engage in adult conversations, he says, uh, look me up. Well, I don't know that we're dealing with an adult yet. <laughs> and that, yeah, I, I see the accusations, I see the assumptions, uh, but uh i don't i don't know who you are i don't know that you've done your homework i know that you think you have but that's an assumption <laughs> so anyway uh you know and, and if i've said something to offend him that was not my intention i'm just observing what is being written so paul wrote more but where is the library of alexandria well i think that burned down <laughs> I want to pursue uh, through those dusty shelves. Well, actually, you know, a great deal of the Library of Alexandria and some of those documents. I mean, there were multiple copies all over the place of a lot of these things. Not all of them. The burning of Alexandria was a tremendous loss. But a great deal of those things are down in the Vatican and they they have rooms and rooms hermetically sealed and climate controlled with all kinds of documents in them. And I know people firsthand who have plowed through those documents. Uh, And as a matter of fact, one of them invited me to the Vatican to go to, I mean, we met in a library reading, I was reading a dusty old book. I was, was I 13 then? Or 14? 14. I was reading, was it Dante's Inferno in Latin? And this archbishop came up to me and uh, began the conversation. And in the in the course of this first one or a latter one, I don't remember, uh, he asked if I wanted to go to the Vatican. <laughs> so... Uh yeah, you could go to the Smithsonian and find some stuff, but the good stuff that's in the back room you're not gonna get the good stuff at the Smithsonian Smithsonian has become a terrible source for archaeological information because if they don't fit the narrative, uh they don't put it on display <laughs> uh they they've been woke for quite I think it was the Smithsonian who published that whole document on wokeism and uh and uh you know. That uh, things like being on time was a white supremacist philosophy, a racist white supremacist philosophy. <laughs> so Smithsonian is not what we call a reputable organization. Yeah, uh, I don't see anybody raising their hand. Again, the number was three one nine five two seven six two oh eight. The four persons. He left the conversation and he joined the conversation. And he left the conversation again, so he's gone. <laughs> I don't know why he came and went. But uh, anyway, he's gone now. So I guess I won't be able to have a, what do you call it? adult conversation. I don't know. I don't even go into adult bookstores. So what's an adult conversation? Uh, I guess that's one step up from a nematode <laughs> conversation. <laughs> no, I'm just giving him a hard time. Uh, I thought Freedomizer was an online streaming radio network. When you click listen, it brings you to Blog Talk. Yeah, uh, Freedomizer uses Blog Talk. They have a contract with Blog Talk. So we're on Blog Talk. But I don't advertise ourselves on Blog Talk. I advertise what advertising we do. We do it for Freedomizer because Freedomizer gives us a three-hour spot for free. And so they have their contract, they pay that, and they just let us on for three hours for free and The guy uh who runs blog talk he seems like a nice guy. I actually have never physically talked with him. I don't think on the phone uh, but uh he's never given me a hard time about anything uh but uh I know he's had some health issues, and uh he's back online. And so, you know, we support him. And he he wants me to fill out the whole three hours. And so right now we're down to two and a half hours. And, uh, but get the news out that we will take calls. Uh, I guess, uh, four persons didn't call in. We gave the number, but uh, maybe he was one of the times he was in and out. Uh, I don't know. He might have called in, but he never raised his hand. You have to push one in order to me to see your raised hand and never saw anybody raise their hand. So that's how it works. If But I don't want to waste my time with somebody's convoluted doctrine. or And, and a sure sign that somebody doesn't know what we're talking about is saying things like what we're saying is assumptions. Uh, no, what we're saying is the result of 60 years of research, just which... Was fast tracked once we got the Holy Spirit in on our research. <laughs> now I think the Holy Spirit's been around all the time, or I wouldn't have seen that. The, I don't, my early days, you know, God put these people in my path. And, uh, and so, you know, like there were people who said things to me when I was seven years old that I didn't understand what they meant until I was 27 years old. Or sometimes 37 years old. And maybe some of them I will still figure out more about. But what what we're presenting here is well documented. But it's not going to do you any good. It's all branches of the tree of knowledge. What draws you near to God is the Corbin of Christ. And the Corbin of Christ is best served through the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Which is why Christ, the only time he commanded his ministers to do anything, was to make the people sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. So if you're not in a congregation, I can imagine that if this program took off, and lots of people, I I will keep doing this program as long as I can. But if this program took off and we started having, you know, a hundred phones calling in and a dozen people raising their hands... Obviously, we're going to want to take the hands of those people who are sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And it's not because we're afraid to take the others. It's just that we're not going to waste time with those people who won't sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Right now, we're taking care of elderly, sick people, people who are dying, people who got the vaccination who are dying now. Uh, Whether that's the cause of their death or not, I don't know. We're taking care of those people for no charge whatsoever. And we'd like to build facilities where we could take care of a lot more. And we'd like to build them in a lot of other places that God will show us. But right now, you have to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands because the plagues of Egypt haven't even shown up yet. They're coming. And most of what the Israelites learned about being a free government they began to learn during the plagues they learned more out in the wilderness and there will be a wilderness after the plagues that are coming the economic plagues the disease plagues the plagues that will kill your cattle all those things are coming fire and brimstone are coming whatever fire and brimstone is I don't want to tell you what that is but the hail that's all coming but I you you, if fear is what's going to motivate you to come together, you won't stay together. It's love. And you learn love in the micro. And that's why you have to organize in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. So all that being said, looking at the last few things that came in in the chat room, oh yeah, he's saying that maybe four persons didn't look at the number. I don't know. You might have called in, I saw a flurry of numbers come in. Uh but I didn't see anybody raise their hand. And I saw a couple of people dropped off, but then they called back, so it was probably just their cell phones dropped them. I don't know who everybody's number is, but eventually I'm going to have a big call sheet up here. I start getting regular calls. And I will look. If a hand raises, I'm going to look at that call sheet and see if it's one of the people that are in the congregations of congregations. <laughs> <laughs> and I will take their call first because I'm prejudiced. <laughs> but I may let the Holy Spirit guide me. So anyway, lots of things going on in the chat room so we can use the chat room. I can see how that works now. Uh, or at least partly how it works. I think if I clicked on PC, PCY Jr., uh, that his mic would go live and he could actually talk in the chat room. I don't know what happens. I don't know if he has a way of... Because see, I don't show up in the chat room except as Freedomizer. Because that was me when I came in. I'm Freedomizer. I'm the radio station because that's how I logged in. So anyway, that I'll have to read Mark 12. Uh, but join us on the network. Go to preparingyou.com or hisholychurch.org Uh nice chatting with you Paul and the other people I see that are called in thanks for coming and all the other people out there in Radio Land and we will edit this and put it up everything won't be in here but uh, it was interesting I'm not very good at reading the chat see the problem is I put it down here on the smaller screen so it's a lot smaller print <laughs> a smaller screen. if I'm going to read the chat I may have to keep it up on the other but anyway Lots to learn, lots to do, so little time. But until then, peace on your house and may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church.